Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When a virus attacks crops, they can completely wipe them out. And in some parts of the world, this is a death sentence. So naturally, scientists are keen to find a way to provide protection against these infections. Viruses usually attack by using parts of the victim's own cell machinery against it. So in theory, if you can change this part of the cell, the protein, the virus won't recognise it and its attack will have been neutralised. But if you change something inside a cell too much, the cell itself can't use it and will die anyway. Now, a group from the University of Granada in Spain think they may have found a solution, at least for the bacteria E. coli, by going back in time billions of years. I spoke to Jose Sanchez Ruiz to find out more. Viruses, when they infect organisms, they recruit the proteins of the organism for, you know, their own purposes. So a virus is like very well adapted to recruit the modern proteins. Our thinking was that if we could replace a modern protein with an ancestral version, maybe the virus was unable to recruit the protein and was unable to propagate within the modern organism. And at the same time, we were expecting that the ancestral protein has some, let's say, normal functionality within the, the, the modern organism. So the point is that the protein is doing something in the organism. So we just cannot change the protein to something that does not work. So we need something that works, but the virus cannot uh, recruit. These proteins inside cells, as well as performing a vital function, also serve as a kind of entry point for the virus, like a lock in a door, which the virus has the key for. There's an arms race between the virus and its victim over millions of years. The bacterium slightly changes the lock so the key won't work. And in response, the virus changes its key so it can break in again. On and on. But by engineering the lock to how it would have been billions of years ago, it's now completely unrecognisable to the virus's key. And it still does its job in the cell. But how do they know what these ancient proteins were like? These are proteins from uh, billions of years ago. Proteins do not preserve that long, of course. So we actually reconstruct them. The way we do that is similar to what people working in historical linguistics do. For instance, uh, the origin of all Germanic languages is called Proto-Germanic. Proto-Germanic is extinct. It's an extinct language. But if you have several modern Germanic languages... So, and you know a certain word, let's say the word for sky, in several modern uh, Germanic languages, then you can figure out some, you know, reasonable approach to the word for sky in Proto-Germanic. Reconstructed ancient proteins is something similar, because each protein is defined by a sequence of amino acids. And there are 20 different amino acids. So at a certain level, a protein is specified by a word. So by a word written using an alphabet of 20 letters. So if you have that word 
in different modern organisms, uh, you can make a good guess about that word in the common ancestor, in the same way that people can reconstruct extinct languages. You sort of looked at all the modern proteins and then you could work backwards from this and try and work out what the ancestral one looked like. Exactly. But then how did you build it? That's actually very easy. When we have the reconstructed sequence, it's just a matter of uh, making a gene with a nucleic acid that codes for that sequence and get that uh, gene within an organism and the organism will actually produce the protein. And so why have you done this? I mean, I I don't suppose you just want E. coli that's resistance to viruses. So what what are you hoping to show or what are you hoping the implications of this will be? So the specific idea was to demonstrate a new way to achieve viral resistance because diseases caused by viruses have devastating effects in agriculture, in particular in some countries. And some, you know, some places people depend on a certain kind of a staple food. And when they, they get a viral disease in their crops, the effects are actually um, are devastating. So actually people uh, people killed by these virus diseases in this way. Uh, there are several approaches to engineer uh, virus-resistant plants. And so we figured that we, you know, we wanted to demonstrate the possibility of a new approach. So what we have done in a certain way is a proof of concept. Of course, the real application would be uh, engineering uh, virus resistance in plants. My hope is that uh, people in plant bioengineering will give this a shot. Any plant bioengineers listening, there's a challenge for you. The work being discussed there was published in Cell Reports. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 